Hello, welcome back to another edition of Sports Waves. I'm Paxton Ritchie here alongside Carl Winter. And this is a very special time of year in college sports. As you know, it's March Madness time, postseason basketball time. So we are going to be breaking down our tournament brackets for you right here on the air. Very excited to get to that. Um, Real quick, we want to remind you guys how you can stay involved and get connected with us. Make sure you're following us on social media if you're not already. Uh, We're on Twitter at SportsWavesPod. Uh, so give us a follow on there. They'll get us get you some updates on what we're up to. Uh, make sure you also follow the graphics social media, uh, Pep Graphic on Twitter and Instagram, because they do a great job of plugging us. And uh, for this March Madness episode, especially, uh, you can send in your tournament picks right alongside us. Um, you can make a bracket or you can plug in an existing bracket with ESPN's Tournament Challenge app. Just join the Sports Waves group on the ESPN Tournament Challenge app. We'll uh, tweet some instructions on how to do that when this comes out. So uh, make sure and join us so that if you have filled out a March Madness bracket, you can join our group and stack it up against our picks and uh, see who comes out on top in the meantime. So very excited to get uh, to picks. And Carl, very you know, especially sweeter given that we didn't have this event last year. Oh, and absolutely. And and first of all, I'm just happy to be back with you. It's been a while since we've recorded and hopefully we'll see each other in person soon for the for the first time in a very long while. It's been more than a year. And yeah, this tournament uh, was canceled last year after many of the conference tournaments went the same way. And this is going to be a very different type of NCAA tournament with all of the games being played in the state of Indiana and uh, all the teams practicing at the Indiana Convention Center and, you know, mass capacity or max capacity is only 25%. So there won't be much of um, home crowd advantages or anything like that. Um, And the the teams are essentially just stuck in their hotel rooms other than for game time. Um, But just so excited to be able to be back here with the the big dance. Unfortunately, our our own Pepperdine waves are not in it, but uh, we'll have fun picking some of the teams that we've seen them play already this year. Yeah, Pepperdine had a great season. They were much improved. They finished all the way up in third in the WCC, and they are playing more basketball, which we're going to get to in a minute. But yeah, no, it's great. I, we, we're still doing this podcast over Zoom, but this is the first time that both of us have been in the same state to record one of these in over a year. So we're, uh, we're hopeful that some big things can happen as things start to open up. We're really excited for this podcast, but you mentioned Pepperdine. Let's talk about it because as much as everybody loves March Madness, that is not the only tournament going on this month. Uh, there's obviously the NIT, uh, which is kind of the second tier tournament. And then the CBI is, is uh, basically the third tier tournament of uh, teams that, that get invited to play. Uh, it's usually a lot of mid-major schools and uh, Pepperdine is going to play in the CBI it's just an eight-team tournament. Normally, it's a 16-team tournament. Uh, Pepperdine's been in the CBI a few times. They went once under uh, former head coach Marty Wilson. But it's been a few years since they were there, and it's, you know, just as, as a Waves fan, it's great to see them playing postseason basketball. No doubt. And and the Waves kind of got the short end of the stick this year, being that the NIT was also cut down from 32 teams down to 
or down to 16 this year. So, I mean, as biased as we are, I think the waves could have been an NIT team this year in terms of the caliber of talent that they have some of the wins that they were able to notch in the 2020 part of the schedule or the 2021 part of the schedule. They had a rough go of it in non-conference in in a few instances, and that's what ultimately cost them. But just to be playing in the CBI is great, especially for seniors. I mean, we get to see Colby Ross for at least one other game uh, that the team gets to travel to Florida where, where all of the games for the tournament will be played. And, you know, even with us being biased, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Pepperdine is actually favored to win this tournament. They're the highest ranked team. And you looked at just about any metric that, that ranks college basketball teams from one to 300 and something. And uh, the waves are right up there. Um, so I think it, it presents a good opportunity for Pepperdine to kind of put their name on the map as the program to con- continues to ascend under Lorenzo Romar. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that non-conference schedule. That's really what did it for him because St. Mary's, another WCC team is in the NIT. And if you look at the conference season, Pepperdine was better than St. Mary's in the metrics. They were better than them in record. They had a much better showing in the WCC semifinals against the two teams that ended up in March Madness, Gonzaga and BYU, but that non-conference resume really separated St. Mary's and Pepperdine's looking for their first CBI win in a while. They lost in the first round in both 2015 and 2016. They went to back, they went in back-to-back years, but as you mentioned, Carl, they, you really got to like their chances to run the table here. Uh, You're just three wins away from a trophy which is insane. I, that's what's so funny to me about these tournaments is obviously things are, are cut in half, but in a normal year, you think about 68 teams in March Madness, 32 teams in your normal NIT. The CBI winning that tournament basically says you're the 101st best team in college basketball but you get a bigger trophy than the second best team in college basketball. I think that's awesome. Yeah. College basketball is, a, is also just a, a strange and unpredictable game where anything can happen on any given night. So, uh, and even, you know, teams that lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament, you'd think, you know, they could be the 33rd through 64th best teams in the NCAA. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, uh, you you have teams that are snubbed that end up in the NIT below conference champions um, for mid-major conferences, but it definitely presents a fun opportunity when you get to play in the postseason at all uh, and get the chance to win something like this. And I think the Waves could have challenged in the NIT as well, but certainly that's a game where, or that's a tournament where any given game you could just run into a buzzsaw of a team. And here in Daytona Beach, Florida, where this whole thing will be played, um, Pepperdine should be favored in every game. They got their first one against Longwood of the Big South Conference. Uh, there's there's seven conferences represented in this tournament, and should be a fun one. Should be a really fun one. Uh, it's worth noting that normally the CBI takes place at college campuses. Teams actually pay to be a host and and have a home game in the tournament because of COVID. This is the first time ever that this tournament's going to be at a neutral site, and it is in Daytona Beach, Florida. As much as I had that little sort of tongue-in-cheek thing about about winning the trophy at number 101 versus number two, Colby Ross, these will be the last games of of an absolutely fabulous career. Uh, clearly the greatest wave of all time on the basketball court, just 
he's rewritten the record books. This is a this is a stat that is just true no matter what. 353 Division I college basketball teams. When you have a playoff structure like college basketball where every team makes the conference tournament, 353 Division I basketball teams, only three of them are going to win their last game of the season. And Pepperdine has a real chance to be one of those three teams out of 353 that win their last game of the season. And for Colby Ross, it'd be winning the last game of his career. And I just can't think of a better way to end that. Yeah, no doubt. And Colby is a guy who uh, had great expectations for the program, even starting as a freshman where he was a team leader and the, the team was, I mean, it's not really a stretch to say that the team was terrible that year, They're two and 16 in the conference. And then they come within one win of the first or within, you know, a few seconds really of the first conference title game appearance in almost two decades. And, and Colby is the guy who led them there game in and game out. And he, he hits a, buzzer beating shot at the end of regulation to keep a minute in a game where the waves led almost the entire way against a really, really great BYU team who, you know, could make noise in the big dance and gave Gonzaga a good run for its money. And, and that was, that was a good send off for Kobe. It was fitting that, that he hit that shot to send him to overtime, but this is even better that he could end it on a win. Yeah. That team was terrible. Uh, his freshman year, I had to watch it and you didn't, and they were pretty bad. And I, I think Colby would tell you the same thing. Uh, but, and, you know, Colby, Colby's a, a friend of the show. He's been on, he was on a few months ago. So make sure if you haven't listened to that episode, check it out on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, PGM podcasts or sports waves on, on Spotify. Um, we would have loved to have a, a member of the men's basketball team pick some brackets with us, but we are very happy that they've got better things to do this week preparing for a tournament of their own. But with that being said, as much as we'll be paying attention to the CBI, millions of people around the country are not watching the CBI. They are watching March Madness and they are filling out brackets and we have done the same thing. And so should we break it down? Let's do it. Yeah. It's funny that we've got these region names, even though everybody's just in Indiana this year. It's, it's pretty exciting. counts. I mean, Gonzaga, Gonzaga's earned the right to be the number one seed in the West uh, because they've, they've done better than any other school out there. So Gonzaga is the number one overall seed. We'll go ahead and start in the West Regional. Uh, Gonzaga at number one, they get to play uh, the winner of a play-in game between Norfolk State and Appalachian State, two uh, you know, mid-major conference champions. Norfolk State had one of the bigger upsets in NCAA tournament history as a two-seed. They beat, I can't remember who they beat. I just know they won. I think it was Missouri, um, who's also in this tournament. You're correct. Yeah, it was Missouri. Anything shocking going to happen here? Not a chance. No, I don't think so either. Uh, it, it, it's happened once. UMBC beat Virginia. They were the number one overall seed. It's not happening this year. Gonzaga is going to advance. The 8-9 game in the West, Oklahoma and Missouri. Uh, like most eight, nine games, these are two teams that have pretty similar resumes. They're sort of middling power five teams, not really uh, playing their best basketball at the end of the season. Carl, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Two teams that have been very inconsistent in 2021. So, um, but they'll play on the big stage of Lucas Oil Stadium on one of the courts there. And uh, 
I've got the Sooners in this one. I think they face some tough competition in the Big 12, and that uh, that strengthened them a little bit. So I'll take them uh, to get a chance to play the number one team in the land. Yeah, I got Oklahoma as well. That Big 12, the Big 12 is just good this year. And any team, even if you don't have the record, you're going to be battle-tested playing in that conference. All right, let's move to the first 5-12 matchup. This is the classic 12 over 5 upset that lots of people like to pick. 12 seeds usually do do pretty good. There's usually a couple of them that win every year. Creighton is the 5 seed and UCSB a team that we know decently well the big west champions and a perennial rival of pepperdine in like every sport on earth uh they are the 12 seed carl do the gauchos have what it takes to knock off the blue jays i think they do and i think every 5 12 game is very intriguing in this tournament but i'll go with my heart here on this one i mean creighton's a good team but they were thrashed in the Big East tournament and uh this won't be the first time that i say this on this podcast but momentum matters and UCSB has been great throughout 2021 they haven't been challenged at all in the big west they are a guard guard heavy team very strong team uh, led by good guards and that's the culture they've been building that program for the past few years so I've got them uh, getting over the hump here and winning in the first round yeah I mean really the only team that could challenge them in the big west was UC Irvine Irvine won those two games in the regular season and then UCSB got over the top, beat him in the conference title game. That was a big win for them. I think they're firing on all cylinders. Creighton been a little bit rocky off the court. They had that situation with their coach who made some comments, got suspended, then reinstated. So, and they did not look good in the big East tournament. So I also have the upset there. We both have the 12 over the five UCSB winning. How about this four thirteen matchup, Virginia and Ohio? We know Virginia's good. They've got some COVID concerns. Ohio, uh, MAC champion, uh, really strong individual player in Jason Preston. Carl, what do you think about this one? I'm going to go with the upset again. And 13-4 is a tough one, but you know Ohio, they're the MAC champions. Uh, you mentioned Jason Preston, who kind of is a Lamelo Ball lookalike when you just get a glance at him. Um, I don't know that he plays necessarily with the same style, but he kind of also does it all on the court. So uh, I, I like Ohio and yeah, Tony Bennett's team. Technically, the defending champions back way back two years ago when they won it, uh, coming back after losing the first round the previous year. Um, but some COVID concerns. Uh, we thought they might even drop out of the tournament, and the withdrawal deadline has passed, and they have not. So. They're still in there. We don't know if they'll be at full strength, but I'll go with yet another upset, which for me would set up the 12-13 matchup in the following round. So we haven't uh, talked about each other's picks. Me and Carl are hearing each other's picks for the first time on air as we're recording this, but I had the upset too. I think it's going to happen. I really like Jason Preston's game. Um, This is an Ohio team that went toe-to-toe with one of the number one seeds in this tournament and only lost by two. Um, on, on their best day, he can play. I agree. He has that like super dumb hairstyle LaMelo had when he was like 15, but they, they don't play. I, I mean, uh, they don't play similar. Preston can drive. He can really go bucket for bucket with anybody in the country. And there's enough uncertainty around Virginia that, yeah, I've got the 13 over the four here. Uh, let's go to another first four matchup, Wichita State and Drake as the 11 seed. Whichever one of them wins that game on Thursday, they're advancing to play USC, led by uh, 
lottery pick, probable top two pick, Evan Mobley. Yeah, Mobley is a handful. He's huge. He averages like three blocks a game, which is pretty ridiculous as a freshman to protect the rim that well. And so I'm going to go with the Trojans in this one, uh, in this first round matchup. Drake and Wichita, interestingly, the play-in game, those two teams are familiar with each other. They both play in the MVC. Neither one of them won the MVC. That was actually Loyola, who we'll get to later. Uh, And whoever wins that play-in game, I don't see them getting past USC. I'm with you once again. I got the Trojans winning the first round. I think it's going to be a good matchup in the first four. I think they'll beat each other up a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and say Drake wins that first four matchup, but they're not going to have anything left for the Trojans, who we both have to six seed advancing. Uh, Kansas and Eastern Washington, we're still in the West Regional right now. Kansas, the three seed. Eastern Washington, the big sky champion as the fourteen. I'm going to go with Kansas. They do have some COVID concerns as well. And so they're not the, the blue blood that we're necessarily used to, but I think this is a somewhat favorable draw for them in the first round. And even if they're not at full strength, uh, I'm going to have to go with the Jayhawks in this one. Yeah. I think somewhat favorable draw is, is pretty generous of you, Carl. Uh, Shout out to Eastern Washington. The only thing in the world that's in the city of Cheney. Uh, they are not going to give Kansas any trouble. Uh, I, I think this one will be easy for the Jayhawks. And uh, there will be other 314 matchups that will be a lot more intriguing than this one. I'm willing to bet. Now watch the Eagles win by 15. All right. The 710 matchup Oregon and VCU, the Ducks at number seven. VCU, they had that Cinderella Final Four run almost almost 10 years ago now. I think it was 10 years ago. And they've traditionally been in the tournament, but they I don't think they've won more than one game or maybe maybe they've reached the Sweet 16, but um, certainly haven't reached those heights since. Pretty intriguing 7-10 here, Carl. Who do you have? Yeah, Shaka Smart's VCU team. That doesn't seem like that long ago, but I guess the tournaments kind of meld together. But also, Shaka Smart's no longer a VCU. We'll talk about him. But Dana Altman is still at Oregon, and they've had a couple of NCAA tournament runs as kind of a Cinderella 12 seed. You don't think of them as a Cinderella because they're Oregon. I mean, they're they're uh, Pac-12. Um, but I think the Ducks are the better team here. I think they even could be a little bit underseeded. Uh, so I'll go with another Pac-12 win here in the West region uh, to take down VCU. Yeah, I've got the Ducks as well. I think they're a, a solid team, certainly good enough to win a game in March. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're Oregon, but when you're a 12 seed, you're not supposed to reach the the sweet 16. They still did two years ago. So give them credit for that. The two fifteen matchup in the final first round game in the West regional Iowa and grand Canyon, the Hawkeyes led by national player of the year, Luca Garza and grand Canyon first ever NCAA tournament Two fifteen matchup, Carl, break it down for us. Yeah, shout out to the Lopes, one of the only two teams in this tournament making their very first appearance. Um, but, you know, the 15-2 matchups do happen from time to time, or upsets, but they're very hard to predict. So I'm not going to go out a limb, on a limb with this one when you're playing the National Player of the Year. And I was a team that, that plays inside out very well. They have a lot of really good shooters. Um, so, you know, I think they could be vulnerable against the wrong matchup. And I don't think that GCU presents that. Yeah, uh, definitely shout out to GCU. One of the best, uh, 
crowds, one of the best arenas in Division One. They're new to Division One, which is why this is their first tournament appearance. It's not that they haven't had a good program. Um, Bryce Drew uh, is the second most famous Drew coaching in this tournament, but he's done a great job with that program and give him credit. Uh, they're not going to win. It's not going to be that close. Iowa. All right, Carl, we got a decision to make. Do we go regional by regional or round by round? Uh, let's go regional by regional. I like it. Let's go back up to the top then. This is the round of 32. We're sticking in the West. So Gonzaga is the number one seed and Oklahoma, the Sooners is the number eight. And I think we've got identical brackets so far. So we, we both have this matchup. Yeah. And I'm going to go with Gonzaga again. I, uh, this is the best version of Gonzaga I've seen in, in my years watching them as someone who's grew up growing up around the West coast conference. So, uh, I mean, we could, we could say they've had upset losses in the past, but I think we also agree that this eight, nine matchup is the worst of the eight, nine matchups. And that's the way the bracket is designed. I mean, the one seed is supposed to have the number one overall seed is supposed to have the easiest path. So I don't think the Zags will have a problem here in the second round. Yeah, I'm waiting to debate something with you, but I, I've been with you every step of the way so far. I, I think uh, the Sooners are a pretty weak eight seed. Uh, they've played a lot of games against top opponents. They haven't won them, and uh, I don't think this is going to be any different. Gonzaga, easy path into the Sweet 16. All right, both of us have an unconventional pairing here, the 12 versus the 13 of UCSB versus Ohio. So which double-digit seed is crashing the Sweet 16 for you? And it's UCSB. And, you know, that might just be the hometown fun again, and and somebody's going to crash the Sweet 16 here as a double-digit seed. So I'm going to roll with the Gauchos, who, I again, I think have been very hot and have put it all together. They were the, the top seed in their conference despite losing to UC Irvine, and they manhandled UC Irvine in that conference title game. So... I'll go with the Gauchos to get a shot at the Zags in the Elite Eight or in the Sweet 16. Well, this is the first time we differ because I am still rolling with the guard who can get buckets from anywhere on the court at anywhere in the game. That usually translates to wins in March. And uh, I I really like what I've seen from Jason Preston. I think he's the type of mid-major player who can play out of his mind for a tournament. Um, And I think really for him alone, both his scoring threat and his ability to to create open looks for his teammates is the reason why the Bobcats are going to reach the Sweet 16 as a 13 seed. All right, we've both got the six and the three matchup uh, moving to the bottom half of the regional round of 32, USC and Kansas. Here's where I've got another upset because I think that Kansas has not been the Kansas that we expect them to be um, throughout this season. And, you know, though USC has, has dropped some head scratchers, um, including a close one against Colorado in the Pac-12 tournament, I think they've still won some very close games as well. And I think this one could go down to the wire and I like the Trojans. I'm going to stick with Kansas here. I I think I agree with you that it is not the Kansas team we're used to seeing because the Kansas we're used to seeing is on that one seed line, not a three. But uh, I think they're a better team. They're a more fundamentally sound team. They know how to play this type of year or this time of year. And uh, the one stat I just can't get over from USC, 
They only have one player shooting over 70% from the free throw line. That's not going to win you any games in the clutch. So I think their road ends against the Jayhawks. Final matchup of the round of 32, Oregon and Iowa. The seven versus the two Hawkeyes-Ducks. This is an interesting one, and I did say that Iowa could be vulnerable, but I don't think it's going to be here. Uh, this is a team that's made the tournament a lot, but has struggled to get past the second round in the past decade or so under Fran McCaffrey. And I think this is the year that they are able to get into the Sweet 16 because they're just that talented. And and even if they have an off night, I think they can still get a win um, and advance to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, Iowa's been playing some of the top teams in the country all season by virtue of being in the Big Ten, uh, which is well represented on the one and two seed lines this year. And uh, I agree with you. They're just too good to lose at this spot. Uh, Oregon is not a team they're going to overlook. I think Oregon's a team they match up with fairly well, and I think they're going to get it done. All right. We are on to the Sweet 16 in the West Regional. So we've got four teams left in this regional. Uh, I've got Gonzaga and Ohio. You've got Gonzaga at Santa Barbara. But do either of us have uh, Gonzaga losing here? I don't. Certainly not. I I don't either. Yeah, Gonzaga, you know, again, they've had a few head-scratching losses in the tournament in the past. But when you go as often as them, that's going to happen. And they're not going to lose at this stage uh, this year. Uh, Knock on wood. Yeah, great, great run for if this plays out like we think it will and a double-digit team, double-digit seeded team is playing them here. Great run for them. Tremendous accomplishment. Uh, You're not beating Gonzaga. The lower half of the regional semifinal, we both have Iowa there. I have Kansas playing them. You have USC playing them. Um. Are either of those teams good enough to unseat the Hawkeyes? Uh, in my opinion, no. So it gets me to a boring one-two matchup in the Elite Eight. But I think Gonzaga and Iowa are far, far and away the best two teams in this uh, region. So I don't really have a problem putting them both there. And I'm going to say the buck stops there for the uh, USC magical tournament run that I'm predicting. Yep. I, I also have a boring one-two matchup. It doesn't matter how we got there. We both got there. I agree. They're just the best teams. And uh, I, I don't have all one, two matchups. I'll tell you that, but I think in, uh, in this regional, it makes sense. And uh, how about Gonzaga, by the way, getting such a, uh, what a coincidence that the number two, number three, and number four seeds in their regional are teams they've already beat head to head and played in non-conference. So they're not going to be intimidated uh, by any team they play. And sure. You may have the, uh, the wild card of, you know, familiarity and, and a team wanting to avenge a loss. But um, I still have Gonzaga and Iowa in the Elite Eight. And let's go ahead and pick that right now to get to our, our final four pick uh, to come out of the West Regional. Is it Gonzaga or is it Iowa? I've got Gonzaga. I'm rolling with our, our West Coast Conference foe here. Uh, and the reason is, you know, the Iowa has Luca Garza, and I think that he'll present problems for Zag's team that isn't huge by their standards. But this Iowa team just doesn't defend well enough. And we've seen it time and again from Gonzaga that they're just so prolific and can beat you in so many different ways that it doesn't really matter if they're down a little bit. They can go on a ridiculous run. So I, I don't see the Iowa team having the formula to stop them and i don't even know if there is one 
Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. I got the Zags. Don't want to hear anything about how they don't play anybody. The WCC is pretty good. And they've already played the two, three, four, two, three, and four seeds in this regional and beat them. They're going to do it again. We both have Gonzaga in the final four coming out of the West regional. Let's go ahead and move to the East regional. Uh, the number one seed here, uh, which I believe is the number four overall seed, uh, is the Michigan Wolverines. Juwan Howard, former member of the Fab Five, has done a great job coming back as a head coach, led this team to a number one seed. They've got another play-in game winner. It's either going to be Mount St. Mary's or Texas Southern. Um, I forget the specific conferences that those teams won. I know Texas Southern is an HBCU. Uh, so shout out to them for making the tournament. Um, are either of them going to knock off the number one seeded Wolverines? I seriously doubt it. Uh, and Michigan, there's a number of reasons you could say that they're vulnerable, but not in this first round. They're just too talented. Their front court is very, very good. The Hunter Dickinson at center, um, Franz Wagner um, at forward. Um, so they have some injury concerns. But when they've played, we mentioned the Big Ten and the caliber of competition they had in there throughout the year. Um, I think they'll they'll be able to get this one and try and rebuild some momentum after having kind of a tough March um, after having a great February. Yep, Michigan moves on. The 8-9 LSU from the SEC and St. Bonaventure, the Atlantic 10 champions. This is kind of a juicy matchup. LSU had a great showing in the SEC tournament. Very interesting. St. Bonaventure, the A-10 champs, uh, but I'm going to go with the Tigers here. A little Ed Orgeron, go Tigers. And uh, they're a very talented team who can be vulnerable at times, but uh, so can everyone in this tournament. I've got the Tigers. Very talented, very underseeded. Should not be an eight seed. They're going to beat St. Bonaventure, who probably should not be a nine seed. Uh, This is a a pretty tasty first-round matchup, something you could – Definitely see a round or two later, uh, but I have LSU as well. All right, here's another intriguing 5-12-1. Colorado, the the Pac-12 regular season champs, I think. Actually, no, scratch that. Uh, But a a above average team in the Pac-12 and Georgetown, the team that came out of nowhere. They were picked last in the Big East. They just about finished last in the Big East. But because it's March, they won four games in four days and won the tournament title. And uh, now they're in March Madness as a 12 seed. Do they keep that run going, Carl? And this is a tough one because Colorado's on a run as well. And they only lost by a couple points in the Pac-12 championship game and have been on a great run. So I'm, though uh, 5-12 matchups are look so good, I, I wanted to pick all of them. I'm going to roll with Colorado on this one. Uh, and say that they have the momentum and a little bit more talented team, and they're they're very gritty. Um, so I don't think Patrick Ewing's boys are going to move on. I don't either. I, I think that Georgetown had a tremendous accomplishment winning the Big East title. I think that that was sort of the finish line for them that they needed to cross. I don't think they have a lot left. Colorado is a much better team. Not that Georgetown hasn't beat better teams on this run, I just don't think they have any magic left. Uh, let's go buffs into the round of 32. The 4-13 matchup is Florida State, which this feels like their fifth straight year being a four seed. I don't know if that's accurate, but it feels that way. 
against UNC Greensboro, which also feels like they're always a 13 seed. I don't know. Um, Mid-major champion, ACC. I think they were second in the ACC in the regular season. Great uh, program at Florida State. Any upset potential here? I feel like Florida State at a four usually feels like an upset waiting to happen, uh, but they're they're a really good team. I think they could be underseeded, and I think we feel UNC Greensboro and sometimes UNC Wilmington is always is in there as well, and they're also in there as a thirteen seed. So there's always UNC something or other, and actually UNC um, f- from Chapel Hill. So uh, I, I'm going to roll with FSU here, though. I, I think they're they're a very big team, they're a very talented team, and I'll take them over the uh, SoCon champs, I believe. Yep, Seminoles, well-coached, better team. They This will not be a letdown game for them. All right, time to bring in the other WCC team into the mix. BYU getting a six seed. little surprising. I think most people had them at a seven or eight, but hey, give the conference some respect. I'm here for it. They did not get an easy draw, though, because they are playing the winner of a play-in game between Michigan State and UCLA. Two colleges, which I think have a combined something like 40 national championships or something close to it. I mean, down year for those programs, but this is a matchup we're used to seeing in the final four, not the first four. Yeah, it's very tough for BYU to have to play one of these blue bloods. Um, I expect Michigan State to win that playing game. Uh, and and Tom Izzo, he really, you know, he turns it on this time of year, even though I, I don't know what MSU's record was, but it wasn't great. Uh, and But they've won some big games. They've beaten some very good teams. Um, but here I'm going to roll with the West Coast Conference and BYU, and I think they're very talented, and we've seen that throughout the year. And they're a different team than we saw last year, but this is a big team. It's a well-coached team as well. And part of me wants to pick Michigan State here, but I, I think the Cougars have what it takes um, on this floor to get it done, and I'll go with them. Yeah, BYU is a good team. They're not as good as Pepperdine, uh, but they're a good team. And uh, I I actually think they're going to win this game too. Uh, UCLA kind of fell off the map. I mean, they were an unexpected bubble team. I think they were pretty secure up until, you know, a couple days left in the season. And it's surprising to have them fall this far. I I don't know who's going to win between them and Michigan State. We, We don't have to pick it, so I'm not. Uh, but uh, I, I think BYU is going to get respect it deserves by beating whoever comes out of that first four game and making it to the round of 32. All right, 314, we got an all-Texas matchup. The Longhorns led by Shaka Smart, who you alluded to earlier, and Abilene Christian, shout out Church of Christ gang if you're into that sort of thing as a Pepperdine wave. Uh, they are the 14 seed, and... Uh, making the tournament for the second straight year, Abilene Christian. Yeah, I don't have uh, I don't have the 14-3 upset here. I don't know anything really about Abilene Christian other than that Jim Gash, the president of Pepperdine University, went there. Um, and shout out to the state of Texas, uh, generally known as a football state who has the most uh, teams of any state in this NCAA tournament. So it's intriguing, but Shaka Smart is a really good team. This is a big 12 champions uh, in the tournament, and that's, you know, that's a high praise because that was such a good conference this year so ut to be fair texas just has a lot of schools period i mean like indiana was a good basketball state back in the day they never had the most schools in the in the tournament but 
No, I mean, te- the, the state of Texas had a great year and uh, the flagship Texas school, the uh, UT Austin Longhorns are right at the front of that line. They're a deserving three seed. They're a power five champion and they're winning in the first round. Sorry, Abilene Christian, um, for all the people listening whose parents went there. Uh, the 710 school or the 710 matchup, UConn and Maryland. UConn, a Big East uh, power. Maryland kind of got lost in the shuffle of the Big Ten, but they're still a 10 seed in the tournament here. Um, this is probably one that looks pretty even on paper. How do you see it shaking out? Interesting one. You got the uh, the more experienced Maryland team, I'd say, but uh, UConn, I, I we saw a few years back, actually more than a few years back, as a seven seed, they make a run all the way and win the entire thing. I don't really expect that to happen this year, but I, I do think that the Huskies have what it takes uh, to get this one done. I think Maryland just has too many holes. Uh, occasionally, they if they don't shoot it well enough, they can't get it done. So I'll roll with UConn here. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they go all the way, but I do think they win a game. The 215 matchup, Alabama and Iona. We should uh, give a shout out to Rick Patino here. He takes his fifth different school to March Madness. He uh, comes back over from coaching in Greece, takes over Iona and the, I don't even know what, are they in the M? I don't even know how to say it. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't even know how to say the conference they're in. But he takes them to the NCAA tournament in his first year. He's now the third coach to take five schools. But this is going to be a tall task to win a game against the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I've got uh, Nate Oates boys and the Crimson Tide um, who have been very, very good all year. And, yeah, I don't know a lot about Iona. Um, the Gales, I'll admit that. Um, so I'm going to have to roll with Alabama here. It's crazy. Alabama, I, every time I hear about Alabama, I have to remind myself that Colin Sexton is not on that team anymore because that's the only time I can remember Alabama basketball being relevant. I mean, they're, they're such a football school that was overmatched in the SEC for a long time, but this year they're a deserving champion, a two seed, probably the best two seed. And, um, This won't be the last game they win. They beat Iona. Let's go to the round of 32 in this regional. We're still in the East regional here. Both of us have Michigan and LSU in the first matchup here. I'm going to go with the big upset. I think that often a one seed falls in, uh, in the first two rounds, maybe the first three rounds. And there's definitely a gap between the top, the other three one seeds in Michigan, especially with Michigan's number two score being injured right now. Don't know whether he'll play or not, but LSU, we talked about how they're underseeded. They have a couple of players on this team that are NBA caliber. That's not to say they've necessarily played up their potential this entire season because they haven't, but March Madness doesn't care about that. And neither do I. So I've got the Tigers. Well, you, uh, you stole my thunder because I actually have that happening as well. Uh, I, I think this is a tailor-made game for LSU to win. Michigan is vulnerable. They are losing one of their better players to injury in uh, Isaiah Livers, who, who sadly injured his foot in the Big Ten tournament, is not going to go in March Madness. LSU played some very tight teams or some very top teams really tight and really tough. They beat Arkansas, who's a three seed in the SEC tournament, and they lost by one point 
to Alabama in the championship game, they're playing good basketball. They're severely underseated as an eight, and they are going to, uh, I don't know if it'll be the first upset time-wise, because I don't know when these are being played, but at least sequentially in how we're going through the bracket, the first shocker of the tournament is going to be LSU beating Michigan, and both of us have it happening. Well, let's go down to the five and the four, Colorado and Florida State pair of power five teams squaring off. I'll go with Florida State here. I, again, I think they're a little bit underseeded, and this is a team that I think is more athletic than that, that Buffs team. And Colorado riding some good momentum, but I think that Florida State is just a little bit more battle-tested, and I think that will show here, and they'll move on to the Sweet 16 for what we think will be a matchup with LSU. That is uh, that is also what I think. I think Florida State is better uh, slightly than Colorado. Colorado's got a, a good guard. I think his name's McKinley Wright. He's been sort of a, a Colby Ross type where he is a high-usage point guard who, who scores a lot of points for them. But uh, I, I think Florida State is the more complete team. They're going to get this win. All right, BYU and Texas, the Cougars facing the Longhorns in the wild. This would be an extremely long, uh, lopsided matchup in favor of BYU, but is that how it's going to shake out on the basketball court? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I, I'm very high on this Texas team, and I, I think they've, again, they've won some close games in the Big 12 tournament. They, they beat Texas Tech, who's a tournament team by one. They beat Oklahoma State, who's a really good tournament team by five, and uh, also on fire. I mean, they, they've won, they won their last three games in March as well against some good teams, so I'm going to go with Texas here, and, and respect for BYU. We saw them a few times this year. They're solid, but I think uh, UT's better. I just want to emphasize again that BYU is not better than Pepperdine. Uh, I just want to make sure that's clear to everybody listening. Uh, but no, BYU is a very good team. Uh, they deserve to get this far. They deserve to be a six seed. They deserve to win in the first round. They're not going to win in the second round. This Texas team is too good. UConn at the seven, Alabama at the two. Uh, I've got the tide here. Again, a year where... A lot of the blue bloods aren't really in the tournament and the football schools are uh, out. Uh, Alabama has been very solid. I think they're very dangerous in the tournament as a whole. So UConn just finished third of the big East behind Creighton Villanova. So I, I don't think they're going to be up to the task. Yeah. You talk about football schools. It looks like both of us have a sweet 16 in this East regional of LSU, Florida state, Texas, and Alabama uh, you'd be forgiven for thinking that was the college football playoff and not the Sweet 16 in a March Madness regional. Uh, let's go ahead and go to LSU and Florida State, the eight and the four, both of us uh, picking the upset with Michigan falling in the previous round. Uh, does LSU's run keep going or does Florida State stop it? I'm going to say that Florida State stops it, and and there's a few reasons, but I think most of it comes down to inconsistency um, in the way or uh, for the Tigers. And you know, I don't know how often an eight seed after beating a one seed wins the following game, but just on paper, this looks like a matchup that that is very very tight. I think these teams are pretty even talent wise, but I just see Florida State executing better down the stretch and making it to the Elite Eight. 
I think Butler was an eight seed for one of their runs to the championship game, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I think a t- I think a, a a down year blue blood like North Carolina or Kentucky might have gotten theirs an eight before too. But in general, uh, you're right. There's not really a path to success there. And I also think that LSU's run stops here. Um, maybe we should retire from picking things, dude. We always end up in a tie. We need some. We need somebody else here to. I hope we don't have all the same final. I mean, our first region we had the same final four team, so we'll see about this one. You know, great minds think alike. That is just what I'm going to say to that, and uh, we'll just keep telling ourselves that. Uh, I also have Florida State beating LSU. Uh, I really like Florida State. I really like Leonard Hamilton as a coach. I think this is a team that can make some noise. Texas and Alabama the traditional two, three matchup. That's what we both have. Uh, who's coming out on top here. This is a tough coaching matchup as well. I mean, Nate Oates, a guy who took the team from basically middling and 500 last year to where they are this year, dangerous, but I'm going to go with Shaka smart and, and Texas here and have them getting to the final four or to the elite eight. Um, I like Andrew Jones, uh, the red shirt junior guard. Uh, he does a lot of things really well. Um, and he also, um, is a cancer survivor was diagnosed with leukemia back in 2018 came back from that so it's a very cool story and um, I think that the Longhorns both of these teams are battle tested I mean they they had tough tough schedules but I'm gonna go with Texas pretty brutal to have two power five tournament champs meet in the sweet 16 uh, there's plenty of years that doesn't happen they're more spread out in the field than that um, I do have Alabama advancing here I think they uh, showed they're a more complete team all off season or all season. Um, but this, this one's good. Both these teams are good. I, I, I could see it going either way, but I did have Alabama. Um, you misspoke and said Texas was going to the final four, not the elite eight. Let's see if you tipped your hand or not. Uh, you, you, Carl, have Texas and Florida State in the elite eight, and I've got Alabama and Florida State in the elite eight. Yes, I misspoke because I do have them in the final four. I've got, uh, so this is, I guess, where we differ because I've got them all the way into the final four over Florida State. And again, the Big 12 champions, they're the, the champions of one of the toughest conferences in college basketball. I'm sure the Big 10 will have something to say about that this year. But um, yeah, I'm going to, like I said, I think Shaka Smart is, uh, is due for a run back to the final four. And this is the year that it can happen. Well, uh, we don't both have Texas in the final four, but we both do not have Alabama getting there. I think this is Florida State's year to go to the final four. They've been before. Uh, they, they were there just two or three years ago, and I think they're the right mix of a veteran, well-coached team that is going to do what it needs to do um, to win. Uh, they have five players averaging at least 1.4 offensive boards per game. That's insane with the amount of uh, the, the amount of second chances you give your team. And really it's about, you know, who, who's the, who's the hottest team on offense. A lot of times in March, um, they're a great defensive team as well. I think Florida state's got, got what it takes and they defeat Alabama in the elite eight in my bracket. So, so far, Carl's got Gonzaga and Texas in the final four, and I've got Gonzaga and Florida State. Let's go ahead and move to the South Regional. 
And uh, just remind you guys that if you think we're making really good picks or really bad ones, you can uh, stack up against us. Join uh, our Sports Waves group on ESPN Tournament Challenge. Um, we'll, we'll tweet out instructions on how to do that when this episode drops. So make sure you put your bracket in there um, so that you can, uh, you can go toe-to-toe with our picks and we'll see who has the best ones at the end of the day. Not a lot of separation between me and Carl's picks, especially in the early rounds, but we do have a different Final Four team there. The South Regional, speaking of Texas, is led by the Baylor Bears at number one the number two overall seed, number two team in the country for much of the year. They face Hartford, who's a number 16 seed. Uh, Good for Hartford getting to March Madness. They are making their NCAA tournament debut. And I think that's all either of us have to say about Hartford. Yep, that's it. Baylor for the win. Baylor goes on. North Carolina and Wisconsin. This is another juicy one on the 8-9 line. Two teams that have... Some pretty darn good March pedigree in their program history. Um, Neither team had the greatest year uh, by their lofty standards. North Carolina and Wisconsin in the eight and the nine. Uh, Roy Williams, 25-0 in the first round of the NCAA tournament as North Carolina's head coach. Is that streak in jeopardy, Carl? It's in jeopardy, but I don't think it's going to end. Um, North Carolina is very, very talented. Again, maybe underseated. They're very unpredictable. They're big. They're young. Um, as you see with some blue bloods once in a while, they're they're very young, and you don't really know what to think of them because they're inexperienced. Um, and Wisconsin also hard to predict because they their record doesn't look great, but they've also been in the Big Ten, so they've they played some very good teams. They played them very tough. Um, but I, I think this is, this is a tough draw for Baylor having to play either one of these teams in the, in the next round, but I'll go with the Tar Heels. Yeah. These are two teams uh, talking about North Carolina and Wisconsin that I would pick to win a game against almost anybody in the field. Uh, so, so it's tough that they're facing each other in round one. I do have the Tar Heels advancing. I think they're, they played some really great ball in the ACC tournament. Uh, they know what to do this type time of year and they're not as uh, freshman dependent as a lot of other ACC schools that helps in March all right the 512 matchup in the south regional Villanova at number five and Winthrop at number 12 Winthrop a big question mark they're 23 and one on the year they've got a pretty gaudy record but they haven't played too many quality opponents just two that were in the NCAA tournament discussion, one against an actual NCAA tournament team, UNC Greensboro. They did beat them. Uh, is this going to be a 12 over five or does Villanova take it? I've got Winthrop. This is, this is an exciting one. I don't think that Villanova is even as deserving of, of their seed as you might think uh, with, with some of the seasons they've had in the past. But, but this is fun because, well, I mean, Winthrop, a team who's only lost one game the, the whole season by two points, they play a bunch of guys and they really push the pace. And I think it's going to throw Villanova off a little bit. And Nova also has some questions uh, with some injuries as well. So that could hamper them. And there's a reason that this is probably one of the most, will be one of the most popular upset picks across all brackets. And uh, I'm going to go with it. 
I'm going with it as well. I think Villanova is deserving of the seed 16 and six in the big East. You know, the, the body of work is there, but they had some bad luck with some late season injury issues. Uh, their leading scorer, senior Con- Colin Gillespie uh, blew out his knee. Uh, it, was, it was a tough scene, very emotional event for the whole team. And uh, they're, they're down a couple guards, couple starters, and uh, they are vulnerable. And uh, Winthrop is the type of team that, that can come in and play some energetic basketball and get a win. And I think they will do so. But let's go to the 413 Purdue. Uh, coming out of the Big Ten is the four seed. Uh, they've got a little Twin Towers thing going on. Uh, they, they've got two two really good big men. Uh, North Texas is a mid-major champion, I believe, coming out of Conference USA, earning the number 13 seed. Yeah, North Texas Conference USA champions, they play very, very good defense. Don't give up a lot of points, but Purdue is huge. They seem like they've been huge for the last five or ten years. Um, and they also have the slight advantage of getting to play in their home state. I don't know if crowds will be allowed in Lucas Oil Stadium, but they might have that behind them a little bit. Um, so I'll go with the Boilermakers here in this first-round matchup. Um, not a ton to say. I, I just think Purdue's better. Yeah, there must be some in the water in Indiana. Because Purdue's got like two or three seven foot two guys a year. I, I mean, they, they just kind of grow them on trees out there. They're a good program. Uh, this is not going to be an area where we see an upset. Uh, Purdue wins. Six and 11, Texas Tech uh, is the number six seed. Um, Utah State at 11, fair to say the most surprising team to make the field, do you think? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they didn't win the Mountain West and the Mountain West wasn't as great as we've seen it in the past. It's not like it was a juggernaut San Diego State team that won it. So I guess that goes right into my pick. I just think that Texas Tech is better and Utah State would need a lot of different things to go their way to take this upset. So a Texas also a team that's really kind of come out of nowhere in past years. They've got some tournament experience, so I'll go with them. Yeah, I, I just don't think Utah State should be here. I don't think they're at this level. Uh, Texas Tech should be here. They are at this level. They're going to win. Uh, this one will be fun. Uh, the three fourteen matchup, Arkansas and Colgate, doesn't seem like much on paper. Um, most of you probably don't even know what Colgate is. But the reason this matchup is so cool is because out of 353 Division I basketball teams, both these teams are in the top 10 in pace. So this game is going to be a shootout, to put it lightly. I mean, this is going to be like LaMelo Ball, Chino Hills level defense and and ball movement and possession. And I am excited to watch it. And uh, is it going to end in an upset? going to be interesting and eric musselman's a great coach for arkansas he does well with even with a bunch of transfers but i and i want to roll with arkansas here it's it's tough to know anything really about colgate um because they've only played patriot league teams that's all of five opponents and they're 14 and one but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be so fun to watch because they're gonna they're gonna shoot a bunch of threes and they're gonna run the floor but 
I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be close or, or go down to the wire, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be fun to watch. Yeah, six players averaging at least a steal per game for Arkansas, so they're just as frenetic on the defensive end as they are on the offensive end. Uh, personally, I use Crest myself. So uh, Razorbacks are going to win this one. We'll get to good brand, though. It's up there. It's up there. It's top two. It's top two. But it's number two. <laughs> but it's number two. Exactly. <laughs> the 7-10 matchup is Florida and Virginia Tech. Florida, it, it seems like they always end up in the tournament when we haven't heard about them at all, all season. And then they just sort of show up in March. Um, Virginia Tech in the ACC, as we know, a very deep conference. So your classic sort of... Uh, upper you know slightly above average power five teams meeting in the 710 game here uh how how do you see it shaking out this is interesting because neither of these teams have been good at all in 2021 mostly because virginia tech has barely played um because they've had some covid concerns so this might be kind of ugly and um it's it's a coin toss for me honestly i'm gonna go with virginia tech uh and just say that they've they've got um you know a little bit better a little bit i don't even know what to say on this one honestly i'm gonna go with tech i got tech too um and i'll i'll back up your commentary i'll defer to you on that one uh going to the round of 32 uh baylor and north carolina baylor is the number one seed north carolina as the number eight seed who you got carl I've got Baylor, I, and this one could be interesting because, you know, North Carolina's done so much in the past, but I think Baylor is just a little bit too good this year. Their two losses are to two really, really good teams, Ohio State and Kansas, so or uh, Oklahoma State and Kansas. Also, I think we forgot to pick Ohio State and Oral Roberts, but uh, I'm assuming we're both taking Ohio State. We totally did. I uh, That was a case of me not feeling anything needed to be said. Uh, so I've got Ohio State. Advanced. Perfect. Um, yeah, Baylor and UNC, uh, you know, as a as a one eight matchup. Um, I closed out of my bracket accidentally. I'm stalling. Carl, you know what's better than a uh, one number one seed losing on the first weekend? Probably two. Probably two number one seeds losing on the first weekend. I think it's gonna happen. I think North Carolina knocks off Baylor. And um, I think the NCAA tournament came at the worst possible time for the Baylor Bears. They were unstoppable for pretty much all of 2020 and most of the first part of 2021. They've dropped two of their last five or six games. They really got it handed to them in the Big 12 tournament, surprisingly, in a quarterfinal. I mean, they weren't even close to winning that title. And um, they just seem like a team firing on all cylinders can figure them out. And they're a number one seed, but they're not a number one seed that's been here before. Uh, They obviously would have been very strong in the 2020 uh, tournament had there been one, but there wasn't. And they don't have a history of being a high seed or even having early round success when they've been in the three, four, five range. They've lost those games. So I think this is an opportunity for a well-coached 
North Carolina team that is going to do their job, you know, every guy on the floor, on the bench. And uh, I think North Carolina gets it done. I think Baylor gets caught slipping a little bit. And that's probably my big upset that I sound way more confident about than I actually am, but I'm going with it. Um, I think both of us have Winthrop and Purdue here in the other matchup. Uh, We had Winthrop beating the five seed Villanova and Purdue holding serve at the four. Uh, Is this a a spot where another double digit makes the sweet 16 or, or will it be the Boilermakers? It could be, but I, I know too little about Winthrop to say that I'm confident in them pulling off a second one um, because Purdue is just really, really solid and has played that way all year. So, again, the home state um, advantage, they're not going to get to play in, on their home campus. There are games at Purdue, but they don't get one. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to have to roll with Purdue here. I got Purdue as well. I, I think Winthrop could be a fun team to watch, but Purdue is fundamentally sound. They're playing in their home state. They're a good team. Uh, Texas Tech and Arkansas, the 6-3 matchup. I think that's what we both got. Uh, Give us your pick. I've got Texas Tech, and it doesn't really make that much sense on paper because they haven't played really well against teams that are better than them this year. But Chris Beard, their coach, is great in the NCAA tournament. You can't argue with that. Um, Mac McClung, their best player, is fun to watch. But um, so I, I think he could take control down the stretch. This might be another fast and exciting game. And this might just be one where it doesn't really make any sense. So that's what most of this tournament is. And I'll go with the red Raiders. I've got the red Raiders too, for re- pretty much every reason you already said, Chris Beard is, uh, knows how to win games in March. He's a, a veteran coach who's done it before. Mac McClung is like if you took a Ken doll and maxed out his settings on my park in 2k, he's just a walking bucket and um, he a great pickup for tech, uh, the transfer from Georgetown. They've got some other um, you know, great pieces as well. Uh, they're well-rounded. They, they force turnovers. They get to the line, all things that are going to help you win in March. I think Texas Tech beats an Arkansas team that didn't look its best in the SEC tournament. The final round of 32 game in the South Regional is Virginia Tech at Ohio State. I'll go with Ohio State here. Another football school moving on to the Sweet 16 for me. Uh, just because Virginia Tech isn't as experienced this year, they've they missed a bunch of games. Ohio State has lost some games where – with their amount of talent you think they should have won but i mean those are learning experiences for them and i don't think they'll have a problem here yeah uh, ohio state already had their rough stretch and they rebounded to play really well in the big 10 tournament they were within a whisker of winning it and that's the best conference in the country so they're certainly good enough to reach the second weekend i think they will um you've got baylor and purdue in the sweet 16 here we're in the South Regional. Uh, I think Baylor is losing in the round of 32 to North Carolina, so I have them facing Purdue. Uh, Carl, do you have the number one seed continuing to advance here? I do, and I'm, I'm going to finally disagree with something you said here and, and say that Baylor's loss in the Big 12 tournament wasn't as concerning um, as it might look because I think they were content knowing they were going to be a number one seed 
that it didn't really matter what they did in that tournament. They were the regular season champions. They'd only dropped one game to Kansas and, you know, Oklahoma state's a good team. So I, I don't think they had a big problem. I think they're still far and away the best or most talented team in this region. So I'll get them past the Boilermakers team, who's going to be a challenge, no doubt about it, but uh, I think Baylor's better. Well, I agree with you that Purdue's losing this round. I think North Carolina keeps it going. Uh, I think they they uh, there's always one just weird team that ends up in the Elite Eight, and you're not really you're not even really sure how they got there. You almost kind of lose track of them. I think North Carolina is going to be that team this year. I think. Uh, they just have some great players who are finally figuring out how to play together at the right time. And uh, I don't think this game is going to be terribly flashy if we do get a, a North Carolina-Purdue matchup, but I think the Tar Heels will get it done. The other Sweet 16 matchup in the South Regional, both of us have number six, Texas Tech, facing number two, Ohio State. Yeah, this is where it comes down to, I think that, Ohio state just doesn't get it done in close games and Texas tech plays in a, I mean, they both play in really good conferences, but I I think it will come down to coaching and experience here. And so I'm going to take the upset. And uh, this is kind of my gate crasher into the elite eight, at least in this uh, region, it's not number eight North Carolina, but it's number six, Texas tech. So I've got tech over OSU. I I like, I like the pick. I like the pick on paper. I, I think Texas tech is capable of doing what you're predicting them to do. That isn't what I have in my bracket. I still have Ohio State beating them and getting them done, but I do like Tech as a team a lot. I just think Ohio State is really good and probably would be a number one seed most years. Um, they're playing well. They they stack up well against uh, a lot of good teams in this tournament, and I think they do it, but I, I don't think you're crazy for picking that at all. So this is, a, I think, the first one where we've got some differences in the Elite Eight in this regional. So you have Baylor and Texas Tech, which uh, sort of puts your Texas comment into context a little more. And then I've got North Carolina and Ohio State. So why don't you start with your winner? Because obviously they're going to be different for us. Yeah, it was a close game when these two teams played each other um, in January. And I and in uh, March, it wasn't as close. And so I think Baylor's kind of separated themselves a little bit. And uh, I'm going to have to go with the number one seed, uh, again, making it to the final four here. I think the Bears have certainly earned their spot as one of the best teams in the country this year and made a big turnaround as a program. So, yep, an all Big 12 Elite Eight matchup. And uh, I've got Baylor. Yeah, all Big 12, all Texas. Um I don't have the number one seed in my Elite Eight matchup, but I do have the number two seed, and I think they advance. I think Ohio State is a Final Four team this year. That's where I've got them. Uh, North Carolina's run that I'm predicting for them is going to come to an end in the Final Eight. I just think Ohio State is playing some really good basketball. I I don't really – I'm not going to get into the X's and O's of it, but – They're just elite at the line. They have an elite turnover rate. They don't beat themselves, and that's important in March. So I've got Ohio State joining Gonzaga and Florida State in my final four. Carl, you have Gonzaga, Baylor, and Texas. Correct. So, again, I got two Texas teams in that final four, two big big 12 teams, high on them. 
All right. One regional left to go before we cap it all with the final four. Uh, and it is the Midwest, led by the Fighting Illini, which is a name I never understood, from Illinois. Uh, they are the number one seed. They face the Dragons from Drexel. Uh, got anything? No. I'll talk about Illinois later. Okay. Illinois moves on. Uh, we should talk about this, though. Loyola Chicago at number eight. Georgia Tech, the surprise ACC tournament champions at number nine. Yeah, Georgia Tech, first ACC championship since 1993, and that's underrated. I mean, the ACC is great. Loyola is the uh, Missouri Valley champions and made a notable run uh, in this tournament a few years back. Um, so I do like the Ramblers. I think it's a good... It's a good name, but uh, I'm actually going to go with G Tech here, and I think they're going to keep the ball rolling after winning the ACC, um, and should be a very intriguing one. But I, I'm going to go with the Jackets. This is a uh, really interesting to me because Loyola Chicago actually found themselves ranked in the most recent post bracket reveal top 25 poll, even as an eight seed, which should put them, you know, 28 32 range if you're doing basic math but they're checking in at uh, I believe number 18 in the country. Um, so they're highly thought of by the committee. I think uh, they win this game. I think Georgia tech is playing well. I think um, it's rare that you, you say this about a mid-major playing a power five, but I just think Loyola is the better basketball team. I think they have better talent. So uh, I think they win this game. Tennessee as the number five. Hope you like orange because they are playing the Beavers from Oregon State, who's our other bid thief. Um, picked to finish last in the Pac 12, managed to win that tournament. They are a number 12 seed facing the Volunteers at number five. Yeah, an interesting story with uh, Oregon State making it and winning the Pac-12 over Colorado. So no one really saw that matchup coming in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, but I'm not. Uh, it's a would be another fun 12-5 upset to pick. But I'm I'm going to go with the Vols here. I think Tennessee's better. They were kind of underachieved this year for the amount of talent that they have. But um, I don't think they'll have a problem here in the first round against the Beavers. Uh, I do. I'm picking Oregon state and uh, it's not so much that I'm really that high on Oregon state. Cause I'm not, but I'm concerned about Tennessee. They played all year with a seven man rotation and their uh, leading scorer is dealing with a head injury where he's got some, some facial fractures and is a question mark for the NCAA tournament. If he can't go and you're either playing with six or people who haven't played before, that is dangerous against a team like Oregon State that is riding a hot streak. So I'm going to go with the Beavers in round one. Uh, I think I'm two for four on, or I might be three for four on 12 for fives. I don't remember. I think you're three. You had UCSB, Winthrop, and yeah, this one. Three, so I'm, I'm, three. Three, I'm three for four. Yeah, and neither of us had Georgetown, but no. that would also which is popular nationally for some reason. Georgetown's a really popular upset pick, and I don't get it. Name brand, I guess. Patrick Ewing. Um, this one will be fun too. Oklahoma State at number four, the Flames of Liberty 
at number 13. Yeah, I, I think this is interesting. I think Liberty is an interesting team, but Oklahoma State is is very tough. I think they're a little bit underseeded here. They've got this guy, Cade Cunningham, who puts up some ridiculous numbers. Um, freshman star, will be an NBA player. They don't have very much experience, but in this first round anyway, I don't think they need it. Yeah, before the bracket came out, I was all over Liberty. I was waiting for them to be a, a 12 or a 13, and I was picking them in the first round. I thought they were capable of, of winning a game. I think they're a good basketball team. This is one of the worst possible first-round draws for them that they could have. Oklahoma State is not a four seed. They're just not. They're better than that. And you have the number one overall pick on the other team in Cade Cunningham. And so I, I was ready to have Liberty be one of my one of my upset picks in the first round. I cannot pick them to beat Oklahoma State. Uh, the the Cowboys are too good. Kate Cunningham is too good. San Diego State, the Aztecs, uh, Mountain West tournament champs. I think regular season champs as well. Uh, facing Syracuse which finds itself at the edges of the tournament every single year. Um, Syracuse has the double Bayheim factor going for it. Coach Jim Bayheim and then I believe leading scorer, Buddy Bayheim, his son. Uh, but San Diego State is a team that was very good in 2020, didn't get a chance to prove it in the tournament. They get in now as a six. Yeah, and I've... Syracuse, we've we've seen we've seen this time and again. They've got they start very slow in a season, and and everyone forgets about them, and then they kind of play their best ball at the right time and make the tournament as a bubble team, and then they win a game, and that's what I think is going to happen here. I've seen this way too many times with Jim Beheim, and uh, this team's got some shooters. They're going to play defense well. San Diego State, I I mean they're the Mountain West champions and have played really well in that conference, but didn't wasn't super impressed by them when Pepperdine played them or beyond. I mean, they defended really well, but I think they're just too inconsistent scoring wise uh, to win this one uh, again, that this one might be kind of a grinded out low scoring game. And that is what the Q's does. So I'll take Syracuse. Yeah. Syracuse's famous zone defense always makes any game a little bit of a wild card when there's no history with the opponents. Cause you don't know how they're going to solve it, but I like San Diego state. I think they're a really good team. I think they have some, some, not all, but some people left over from a team that was a powerhouse and on their way to a number one seed last year knows how to win big games. And uh, I think they're not going to have too much trouble taking care of the orange here. I think the Aztecs get it done. Three and 14 West Virginia, the Mountaineers are the three seed Moorhead state. Um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is an eagle in their logo. Um, that's what it looks like to me. They're the 14 seed. We haven't we haven't picked a, a three or a two fallen in the first round yet. Is it going to happen? Morehead State's interesting. They're the Ohio Valley champions, I believe. Uh, and they, They've got some big guys. They rebound it well. But I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think West Virginia, they're not the typical West Virginia that you see with the Bob Huggins, 
like kind of being a defensive led team. I think they're more of a faster team that's going to be carried by playing well on offense, but um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know enough about Moorhead state to pick this one randomly out of the blue. So I'll go with the Mountaineers. Yeah. I mean, Bob Huggins is still the head coach at West Virginia, but you're right. This team does have a totally different identity than the West Virginia teams we're used to seeing ultimately in this type of matchup. I don't think it matters. They're not losing in the first round. Um, so I have them advancing Clemson at Rutgers, the seven and the 10. Uh, do you have anything to say? Rutgers is dancing for the first time in a while, but otherwise to me, these are two middling, uh, programs and in, in conferences and i'm so unimpressed by this matchup i'm not gonna lie yeah i picked I, rutgers I, for the record <laughs> you picked rutgers i picked clemson so that will that now makes it sort of interesting in my book because otherwise i mean i'm trying to have a perfect bracket but aside from that i just could not find a reason to care about this game at all to be honest with you and uh, yeah, I think that's all we have to say about that. I got Clemson. You got Rutgers. Cool. We can have some bragging rights on the line for it. Uh, Houston. How about a nice little outside the power five uh, top two seed that isn't the Bulldogs. Houston Cougars getting it done. They're led by Quentin Grimes, who you might remember playing at Kansas back in the day. Um I think this is the highest Houston's been seeded in the tournament since like the Clyde Drexler and Hakeem days. I mean, it's been a while uh, deserving for that program. They face Cleveland state in the first round. Yeah. Cleveland state horizon league champs, I think, but had some trouble getting through that conference tournament. And that's why I'm a little bit concerned about them. Houston isn't a big team at all, especially for a number two seed but uh, they're very athletic. They rebounded well still, despite being undersized. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think Houston's very solid. And, and I think if they're going to run into a problem rebounding wise, because of their size, it's not going to be against Cleveland state. Yeah. I got Houston moving on. All right. We are in the Midwest regional. The last of the four regionals we're breaking down here on March madness, head into the round of 32 matchups. Um, I've got a matchup that everybody was looking forward to seeing Illinois and Loyola Chicago, two schools separated by what is it? 13 miles, 30 miles, something like that. You got yeah, family in Chicago. Do you know? I think it's more cause Illinois is out in the boonies in Champaign, which is kind of out in the sticks in the farmland versus Loyola is in Chicago. Um, or it's not, it's not way out there, but, uh, but it's not in Chicago proper. So uh, that would be interesting if this was a Midwest regional where a bunch of fans were allowed, but it is in Indiana. So maybe, maybe they'll, uh, they're all have some good crowds there, but I have a different one. I've got Georgia tech in this game. So yep. I'll, I can just go first and say that I've, I've got Illinois. I, I think they're very much deserving of this top seed and they may not be a team that you generally see as a number one seed, but this is a very unorthodox year. And I think they're, they're talented and they're on a roll and they've got everything going for them. So they will, uh, if there is a number one seed to fall in the second round, I thought it was Michigan. You thought it could be Michigan and Baylor. I don't think it's Illinois. I don't think it's Illinois either. Uh, we, we differ on the opponent. We uh, do not differ on the result. Illinois might be the hottest team in basketball right now. They are playing out of their minds at the moment, and um, they're going to overmatch Loyola Chicago here. 
All right. I've got another orangey matchup. Well, I guess we both have orangey matchups. This is a very orangey part of the bracket, if you think about it. Um, I've got Oklahoma State playing Oregon State. You have Tennessee advancing to play Oklahoma State. Uh, go ahead and go first with your take on what would be a more traditional 4-5 matchup. I've got Oklahoma State. Like we said, they're uh, they're a little bit under-seeded in our opinion. So, uh, yeah, I don't think their lack of tournament experience is going to hamper them against Tennessee, and we'll, they'll move on to another orange-ish matchup against uh, Illinois. Yeah, uh, I've got Oklahoma State as well. Um, my uh, my first-round pick was more against Tennessee. I think they're going to be hampered by injury. I don't really think Oregon State's that good. I don't think they're going to put up much of a fight against the Cowboys. Um, I've got San Diego State and West Virginia, the six playing the three here. You had the upset uh, with Syracuse taking on West Virginia. I'm going to roll with Syracuse again. More orange in this bracket. Give it to me. Syracuse, again, I think they're playing their better basketball of the year right now. We've seen Jim Beheim take double-digit seeds to the Sweet 16 multiple times, and I think it's going to happen again. This West Virginia team is solid. They're talented, but they're inconsistent, and that's a little misleading to say because it's the Big 12, but I think they're inconsistent enough that they could drop a, a game in a tough matchup where they're really going to they're either going to have to play their own game or play Syracuse's. It's going to be very weird balance in between. So if Syracuse makes them play their game, I've got the orange. Well, I'll tell you what, Carl, we both got teams we like and neither of them are West Virginia. Cause I think the Aztecs are moving on uh, beating the Mountaineers in this round here. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not super impressed with West Virginia's ceiling. I think that, they at a minimum should have switched places with Oklahoma state in the draw here. And uh, I talked about San Diego state at length last time, so I don't think I need to rehash it, but I think they beat West Virginia here. All right. So you've got Illinois facing Oklahoma state, right? Correct. That's what I have as well. So we'll, we'll both pick this one. This was arguably the toughest game that I picked this entire tournament because I think Oklahoma State is very, very, very good, and they're so intriguing having the the freshman the supernova talent that's almost guaranteed to be one and done. Um, but Illinois, they're I think they're too deep. They're too strong. They, they have beaten good team after good team time and again in the last month, and so momentum matters. Keep it rolling. Give me the fighting Illini. Yeah, you pretty much said it for me, too. I'm rolling with Illinois here. Uh, I, I like the Cowboys, but I think Illinois is a very good team. And I will uh, just echo what you said right there. All right, this one, um, we both have Houston, don't we? We do. Oh, we, I don't we, even know if we, we bothered skip, picking that other game. But we, we, we don't care about Rutgers or Clemson. We're so bored with Clemson <laughs> or Rutgers. We know they're not winning in the next round. I that was a given. Um, so we, we've we've both got Houston here. Um, I have them facing San Diego State. You have them facing Syracuse. Yeah, and and You're Houston have more orange, or does that party end? The party ends for me. Houston, it's interesting because I think they might be the worst of the four uh, two seeds, and maybe they'll prove me wrong and win the entire thing or something. 
but I, I think they got a favorable draw down here in this part of the bracket. And as much as I like Syracuse, I think this is a good matchup for Houston, kind of a grinded out game where it can come down to rebounding and defense. And, and yeah, like I said, I just think it's a good matchup. I don't necessarily know that they'd be in the elite eight in any other region, but uh, I'll take them. So I, I guess it's a boring one, two in the elite eight, but I've got Houston. Yeah. Few teams rebound and defend better than Houston in the field. And uh, I agree. I've got the one, two as well. Um, I think, I, I think you said it. Houston does have a favorable draw in my opinion. And um, they are going to get to the elite eight and justify their seed ranking, whether they get farther than that. Let's find out. We both have the same matchup, Illinois and Houston in the regional final for the Midwest regional. Uh, Carl's got two number one seeds in the final four. I've got one. Is there another number one seed that's going to join them? Yeah, I hate to do it and make it three. Usually I try hard to have zero number one seeds in there, but but Illinois is just too good. And I I think that they're they're on a roll, like we said, and that they're they're perfectly healthy. They were the best team in the Big Ten this year and and they showed that in the conference tournament. And um so I think they'll continue continue it rolling all the way to Lucas Oil Stadium for the final four where I think they'll take on Baylor. Yeah, and I, I also have Illinois advancing to the Final Four. I think they are far and away the best team in this regional. I don't think, even though it is a 1-2, I don't think this Elite Eight is going to be that captivating with Houston. Uh, so I'm going to make it two number one seeds in the Final Four with Illinois, Ohio State, Florida State, and Gonzaga. All righty. So, yeah, my, my four were Gonzaga- Baylor, Texas, and Illinois. So we both have Gonzaga and Illinois. Uh, and then it's a little bit different from there. I almost put Oklahoma State in there and made it three big 12 teams and said, no, I think the Big Ten has earned one of these teams in there. And and if it's going to be anybody, I think it's going to be Illinois. All right. So, so, so top half of the bracket, we've both – or left side of the bracket, I guess. Uh, Gonzaga, we've both got number one overall seed, number one seed in the West. We both have them reaching the final four. I've got Florida State – crashing the party as a four a little bit and getting there and you've got uh texas as a three correct correct uh do you have gonzaga moving on to the finals i do yep this is uh so another final appearance for them and um yeah i think they're that good and we've seen it this year no doubt yeah um the florida state will be punching above their weight to make it this far. I certainly think they're capable of it. Um, I mean, they're, they're not going to end up having to play a number one seed. If things go the way I currently have them planned to go, uh, this will be the first number one seed that they face. And um, man, Gonzaga would love to get this one, right? Uh, Florida state beat them in a four versus one matchup at Staples just uh, three years ago. And uh, this would be a nice revenge game for Gonzaga. Maybe maybe the players on the current roster don't remember it. Guarantee a Corey Kispert does. Guarantee a Mark Few does. Uh, this would be a nice little revenge game for the Bulldogs. And uh, if it does happen this way, of course. And uh, I do have Gonzaga advancing to the national title game. So we are identical on that left side 
going with the Bulldogs. Now on the right side, we both have Illinois. Once again, we both have one of the same teams. We have them facing somebody different. For me, they're taking on the two-seed Ohio State from the South. You have a battle of number one seeds, Baylor and Illinois. So since you've got the Clash of the Titans, the first meeting, uh, the only meeting between number one seeds that either of us have, uh, why don't you tell us how you see it turning out? This is this is a tough one. I mean, a lot of people thought Gonzaga and Baylor were far and away the two best teams in the country uh, all year until maybe Baylor dropped a game or two, and then it got a little bit shaky. And so this will be funny, actually, if we have the same two teams in the final. But I've got Illinois winning this one. And um, I, I just think they've been arguably, I mean, it's hard to tell with Gonzaga because they had a couple tough games against BYU, but obviously don't have to face the juggernaut schedule that Illinois did. But Illinois has proven themselves time and again, you know, they, they come up against a good Michigan team and they crush them or they come up against a good, whoever it is, Purdue team from their conference and they crush them. And uh, I think they're right now one of the two best teams in the country and that's why they're going to play for the national title. Well, hate to burst your bubble, but we we do have the same two teams in the final. Uh, we don't plan this stuff. We always end up in a in a tie in every prediction challenge that we do together. Uh, but I have Gonzaga facing Illinois in the national championship game, and it's simple. I know that Baylor and Gonzaga are seated as the best two teams in the country. I think Gonzaga and Illinois are playing like the best two teams in the country. It's that simple, and I um, I don't think Illinois is going to be facing Baylor in the Final Four here. I think they'll have a relatively easy time against, if my bracket holds true, a, uh, a team that they know very well in Ohio State and just recently beat in overtime uh, to win the Big Ten Championship. So th- this won't be a walkover, and no Final Four game should be. But Illinois is the better team. And I, uh, we've got the same national title game. So um, given that we both cover the WCC for a living, I think I know who you picked to win the tournament, unless you're really going to surprise me. You're probably right. And I'll preface this by, well, by saying for one thing, you know, even though this is a crazy tournament where crazy stuff happens, generally you get to this stage in the tournament and there are only a couple teams who actually have a chance to winning it all. I mean, you see, you see uh, Cinderella runs to the, to the lead eight or the sweet 16 or the final four, but generally one of the better teams comes out on top. And that's why we have two one seeds. And I'll also preface it by saying, I have been a huge Gonzaga critic over the last 10 years. And you can look back through my old tweets, making fun of them for being such a high seed and choking. And I think this is the year they get over the hump. And like I said, this is, I think this is the most talented team I've seen from them and a team where you just never think they're out of it and they can go on a 15 to zero run at any time. So Gonzaga and Mark few to, to get that natty. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm from Washington state, as you know, I'm on the other side of the mountains as Spokane. Uh, but I watched Gonzaga slowly take over uh, the mantle of Washington's best basketball team from uh, the Huskies, which were led by Lorenzo Romar and some future NBA players. Um, I watched Gonzaga gain credibility as a double-digit seed, uh, slowly work their way up to five seeds and four seeds, and now they're a perennial number one seed. They still need that first title. I've picked them to do it like 
probably two or three times already. Um, even though I, I definitely wish Pepperdine would have beaten them uh, while I was here, I definitely respect Gonzaga. Definitely, you know, feel a sense of pride coming from the region. And the reason why I prefaced it with all those statements is even though I've spent my whole life being aware of Gonzaga basketball, this is the best ever team I've seen from them too, far, by far. I mean, they're firing on all cylinders. They have five-star recruits coming off the bench. That didn't used to happen in Spokane. They were more of a team better than the individuals type of squad. Now they've got five stars coming off the bench. And they're going to join Indiana. You and I are both predicting they're going to join Indiana as the only teams to win March Madness capping an undefeated season, which would put them in the conversation as the greatest college basketball team ever, if that works out. Yeah, what, seven wins away or six wins away? I mean, they're 26-0 right now, so it'd be an incredible run, but, you know, in a year when Duke and Kentucky and Louisville have these down years and and don't even make the tournament, and it's it's all the credit to to the Zags for putting together a good non-conference schedule to earn their way here and never slipping up in that conference schedule either and just just dominant all the way through and plenty we'll of- see I've never I've never picked them to win it all because I always I always perceived them as chokers and and I think this is the year they flip that script plenty of mid-major number one seeds aren't in this tournament because they slipped up in the conference tournament or or whatever Gonzaga doesn't do that um I since we both have the same national championship game and the same champion let's make it at least a little interesting give me a final score Ooh, these are games that tend to be low scoring, but Gonzaga puts up a ton of points. Oh, man, Illinois is really good, though. 83 to 76. 89, 82 for me. I didn't just come up with that. High. That's that's locked into my online bracket. So, okay. I'll, we, write, we, I'll write it on mine here. We, we both had, had seven-point victories. We got to stop this. 83, 76. There 83, it is. I have some scratch-outs there where I – decided to take illinois over oklahoma state and uh there we go i've got i've got 89 82 for the zags so just as as a little bit of a wrap up since you obviously know your own bracket uh let's flip this around what was your biggest takeaway from my bracket i think it was interesting i again you you said that you might have been less confident about this than you sounded but you seemed very low on baylor which is interesting because I think they only they only have two losses, right? And they, and they were against good teams, and they didn't look great in the Big Twelve tournament. But you just seemed so low on the Bears, and and confident that UNC could take them down. Um, which I, I don't know. I I just like that kind of came out of left field for me. And I know I get that you have to make uh, some. There has there's an element of randomness to this. Um, but I thought that your uh, justification there was was interesting. I think Baylor's a good team. I just think they. I'm not saying they're playing bad basketball. I, I'm saying you can really make an argument that they're playing their their worst basketball right now, based on what they've done in the season. They're they're sort of stumbling a bit right now, and uh, they're not they're not proven at this stage. And look, there's always one team that comes crashing down out of nowhere, and I'm taking a stab. Uh, that it's them. So we'll see. They could very yep. easily end up in the final four where you've got them. And that 
probably would single-handedly be enough to to swing it for you points wise um yeah. we were both very low in michigan too we were we what, were. what was your most interesting takeaway from mine uh, for me it was syracuse uh i uh kind of wrote them off as a as a bubble team that really didn't have too much business competing uh in this field and and so to have you take them to the sweet 16 was surprising for me for sure um because i really didn't give much of a thought to um them beating san diego state in the first round and and granted i i ended up being high on the aztecs since we both had west virginia losing uh in the second round but yeah, I, I was surprised uh, that you picked them to win a couple games. So in terms of Sweet 16, did you end up with two double-digit seeds? Yes, Syracuse and UC Santa Barbara, and I think that's it. Yeah, because see, I, I only had one, and it's it's Ohio, which is in the same place as Santa Barbara. I have it's... only one of the three seeds making the Sweet 16. And that's Texas, who I have in the final four. Yeah, one 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 quirk that I that I noticed about my bracket is even though I picked two number one seeds to lose in the first weekend, I ended up with all four number twos in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I've got no, I've got Bama losing, I've got Ohio State losing to Tech. Yeah, that's interesting. Wait, you have Ohio State losing to Tech? Yeah. Oh, Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas no, Tech, you're right, right you're Virginia right, Tech. you're right, you're right. Yeah. I was thinking Virginia Tech for some reason, which was um, not different. different thing. Never mind. Well, we've been uh, – it's another year in the books. It is. It feels so good to do this again, honestly. I mean, uh, that's really my biggest takeaway in general is, like, it is just fun to do this. And – um, going back to high school, middle school, the first weekend of March Madness is in many ways the best weekend in sports where, um, you know, just 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. You're watching games and you have a vested interest in all of them because you filled out this bracket. Have you ever been a multi-bracket guy? Um, I think one or two years when I'd like do it in like writing with family. I don't know. I, I'd do more than one but I could never get as into it in those years. So oh, I, I certainly I'm, haven't done it in a long time. I'm very anti-multi-bracket. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a purist. You have to only have one because then you got, that's, that's how you root for the games. That's you true. Can't, you can't say my bracket is busted if you have 10 of them. Yeah. Um, and you, so can't say you, called, you can't say you called an upset if you have 10 of them either. Right, right, that. exactly. I don't, I don't yeah. want to hear if you enter your 25 brackets and you got it on two of them. Don't tell me you called it. I hate yeah. that. I hate when people do that. So yeah, it's funny. Out, My, if you're listening, fill out one bracket. Don't fill out more than one, and uh, and root for the games. That's the magic of March. You, it turns you. I Loyola Chicago when they went to the Final Four. I didn't have them going there, but I did have them winning in the first round, and they won on a buzzer beater. And I thought I was the coolest kid on the planet for picking that. I mean, yeah. that's what that's what March Madness does. No doubt. Yeah. It's, it's a very fun time. Those, yeah, the first weekend, first, even four days are just unreal. All right. Make sure you, uh, if you're watching March Madness, make sure you follow the CBI that's happening March 22nd through the 24th. Um, I think unfortunately the stream is behind a paywall. 
um, but you can uh, maybe get a free trial or or uh, find some other way to, to watch it, but definitely follow along with what Pepperdine's doing. Definitely follow us and the graphic on social media. Uh, keep an eye out for our next episode, which is going to be dropping very soon. And uh, thanks so much for listening and listening to us break down our brackets. And one more time, just a reminder, you can stack your bracket up next to ours on the ESPN Tournament Challenge app, the Sports Waves group. Uh, we would love to see your picks and uh, how you guys fare compared to me and Carl. For more info on this podcast and to hear about upcoming episodes, make sure you follow us on Twitter at SportsWavesPod. And to keep up with the other podcasts, breaking news, and more from the graphic, follow them on Twitter and Instagram at PepGraphic or visit Pepperdine-Graphic.com. <laughs>